A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Johnson. James says you want to play physical, James Johnson? Well, click, click, get ready for your Kodak moment. Give it to him. Give it to him. Boom, shakalaka. Yeah. Oh. When people mention Castle Island to their friends or foes from outside Kerry, what's the first thing that crops up? It's probably one of four. Con Hoolahan, or perhaps the fact that it's the second widest main street in Ireland, or so they say locally, after O'Connell Street. Maybe Charlie Nelligan and the local Desmond's GA Club. But more likely, the Castle Island Basketball Blitz. How is that? More to the point, why is that? Why does everybody get up on St. Stephen's morning at 8 o'clock and play basketball till 10 that night and then repeat and repeat for the next four days till the eve of New Year's Eve? How come there's 170 games of hoops featuring 450 souls in 22 competitions over two venues on what should be the stillest few mornings and evenings of the year? And why have the locals, then the nationals and the internationals, been doing it for 50 years? Or at least it will be 50 years this St. Stephen's Day, when this bit of organised mayhem celebrates its golden jubilee. Joining me today for a special Examiner Sport seasonal podcast are the people who put this community fest together 49 years ago in a local ballroom of romance called the Astor. Welcome everybody, welcome to Eileen Lyon, who is now Eileen Nolan of course, to Dennis Griffin, to the imaginatively titled tournament director, which is Donal O'Connor, to Eamon O'Connor, who will probably be known as Pauline for the rest of this conversation, and Ned Callaghan. I am going to start, Pauline, with you. You were there 50 years ago, this, this, God, it's 50 years ago, in the Astor Ballroom, for the first ever basketball blitz in Castle Island. Explain to me first how it even came about. Who came up with the notion of it? Well, we, we started out, Tony, um, we had a competition, uh, a school's competition, where we used to play at the back of um, St Mary's uh, in, in Castle Island, and also at the um, the girls' school across the road. And um, Donald, of course, organised teams that time, and, and uh, so that was a summer event. But then Dolan came up with the great idea that he was going to try something uh, around Christmas. And so we were all invited to Dolan's house. Uh, he picked out the six captains, both male and female. And uh, we were all invited down to the, the, the beloved Mrs. O'Connor at 12 Barrick Street. And um, 
she of course looked after us like 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 the mother she was, and we started to pick the teams. Duke or Donal O'Connor, tournament director, and congratulations on being the man who turned on the Christmas lights. I see in Castle Island again the weekend. That very first year, I suppose, that very first um, when you were looking at organising something like. Was the Aster the only show in town? Was it the only location it could have been held? Yes, <laughs> yes, it was. There was that was the only indoor arena, if you could call it that, <laughs> at at, uh, at the time. But I remember being at a film, the Fist Full of Dollars, and my friend here, Ned, we were there, and uh, we were sitting waiting for the film to start, and. Uh, he says to Ned, this is the place we'll have the blitz. He said, you won't get it. And I said, we, we will, like, you know, that we'll get organised and we will get this place. Yeah. At the time, uh, Father Lee, he had come to town uh, and he was curate in Castle Island. And uh, he was great friends with the owner of the Astor, um, Jimmy O'Connor. And uh, he, we got him to go to have a chat with him. Mm. And from he gave us the permission to have it there. Going back to that, after the film, after the film that night, and we had a kind of, the seed was sown in relation to having a blitz there. Then when the teams were being picked and that, the people that were involved in St Mary's Basketball Club at the time were taking huge umbrage to the fact that we were looking after the young people in town and we weren't doing anything for them. Right. So for a while, you know, the Blitz was a bit shaky as to whether it was going to happen or not. Mm. We were persona non grata because we were like revolutionaries, like organising something that wouldn't be kosher with the club so uh, we we weren't able to to run it under the auspices of St Mary's Basketball Club so lo and behold we were lucky that there was a charitable organisation in town at the time the CLM it was called and uh, because there was was a family that had a disability and some of the people in town used to go to Lourdes and take this young fella with them so it suited us fine to have a name over the door now that says the CLM Blitz um, <clears throat> I became involved I was good friends with Donal and I was stone mad for playing basketball and so on at this stage and we were about 14 years of age so Donal formed a CLM committee I think I was chairman um, probably maybe doing a bit of the secretary work as well. He used usually throw me in with the bearer. Mm-hmm. But um, about, I suppose, Donald, about 12 people on that committee, about six boys, six girls. So, in effect, it was a youth club. Mm-hmm. Our meetings were held in private houses and we got to see places in town that we had passed all our lives and had never been inside the door before or since. But uh, And it was very egalitarian, as I said to somebody recently. We were all equally miserable. <laughs> but it gave us a great sense of our own importance, as we thought. We had some great meetings in these houses, and I think we all look forward to, to them. 
and their romances blossomed and everything. So you had a bit of everything. When Eileen, I mean, obviously you're a lot younger than, than these guys here. Thanks, like, Tony, for that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, in terms of your first knowledge, I mean, of, you know, there's a blitz in town or something is happening at Christmas. Can you remember hearing about you know, or there's this event is going to happen in yeah, the Aster. Absolutely. I suppose I was fortunate. I lived ac- right across the road from the Aster. Yeah. So I had prime prime viewing, if you like. And even though I was only across the road, um, I'd say maybe about the second blitz, I kind of got wind of the word. Yeah. And the gang of us <clears throat> would rock up and watch the games or watch who was coming in and out the door maybe as well. Um, and even though I only lived across the road, I didn't go home for the whole day. Yeah. You know, it was too far and you would miss too much of the crack if you um, if you went home. And I know you referred to the Astor there earlier on as the ballroom or romance. And I suppose lots of us, myself included, we met our lifelong partners through basketball. And I suppose we have to thank the committee for that as well, yeah, which yeah. is which is good. Um, so, yeah, I suppose I started off as a spectator. Yeah. And um, I think I might have played maybe 1973, I think. And ironically, the one thing I remember about it, my captain that year turned out to be my future sister-in-law, Helena Nolan. Um, I've kind of gone full circle now because then I was a player for many years, worked on the organising committee, Mm. um, score sheets, etc. Moved to Cork. So I've seen it from another angle that I brought a team from Cork down a couple of years and gone full circle. And now I'm back as a spectator again. I think I gave up playing after my second child was born, so I gave it a good innings. And just going back, Eamon, to the very to, to that first year, like I presume it it must have got pretty real, so kind of around October, November, where you actually said, Shit, like this is actually gonna happen, we're gonna have to organise this. It did, and um, you know, you'd nearly have a good idea of uh, who your first pick was going to be. You know the fella, you would certainly not pick the fella that's not going to get up. Yeah. You know, he was certainly in the back foot and he was, he was out of the equation. But uh, another story happened, uh, the Blitz was on for a couple of years and as Ned pointed out, there was, there was uh, higher um, powers in the St. Mary's that we had to kind of take care of as well. So, of course, Dolan would have been the organisation, or the organiser would have come up with some kind of a plan. So we decided that at the time there was a, a junior league in the county and we were playing Tralee Junior Town League. So we decided that we'd play a junior game before the final uh, of the, the actual blitz. So now we had to figure out a team. Mm. So we decided that there was one team and we'd have a crack at and we were able to handle them fairly you know, n- nicely in, in, in the in the Tralee Town League were a team called the Dodgers. From Tralee? From Tralee. Yeah. And the Dodgers, you know, in fairness to them, they like the old drop of drink. Yeah. So we invited them out anyway and we made sure that they, you know, they had a couple of drinks before they came. And, uh, of course, we got big trophies for it. And, uh, of course, we handled the boys. But one very funny thing happened. There was a famous shot at the time, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, as you know, was famous for for this hook shot. The Skyhook. The Skyhook. But one of the boys in there had a, a hook shot, but he was running down the right hand side of the Aster, and he went to take the hook shot, took the hook shot there, but forgot about putting on the brakes and finished up plunking himself off the wall. Mm-hmm. So he was casualty number one, and he was taken out. For the, so, for so the this kind of like it, it reminds me, Duke, a bit so at the start, like of kind of the way ye started a Premier League. And St. Mary's were kind of like the football league, and you went off and you kind of started something new. And eventually, I presume everybody then 
everybody rolled in in the end. Did they do? Everybody actually said, you know what, it's good for the town. It became a realization of people that uh, look, this is fun and you can enjoy it. And the main thrust by us at that stage was getting youngsters that would be hanging around during Christmas time. And I tell a story now about a parish priest and uh, um, a principal of a national school. Mm. Now, we have a lot of teachers here. This was in the mid-70s, maybe early 80s, where the local parish priests would go to the national schools and... uh, you know, fall to road to Canonock and, you know, that kind of stuff. And everybody stood up and yeah. sit down and uh, the canon asked, coming into Christmas, it was generally about maybe 10 days before Christmas. And he says, uh, what is important about Christmas? And there was a few hands shot up and, this, and he said, yeah, Michael. And the Blitz canon. And he said, how do you mean the Blitz? Well, I'm playing at Harper's Days in the small hall on St. Stephen's Day. And if I win that, I'll be playing on the 20th. And then if I win that, I'll be down in the big hall on the for the final. And uh, <laughs> the canon turned to the, law, the principal. <laughs> now, the principal told this himself at a later stage and he said he knew the canon knew that this was going on yeah because we used to send sent him two tickets in a program to invite Just him. to sweeten him yeah but he never realized and he told that to the to the principal that he never realized it was as big yeah and it meant so much to people children at that age like you know yeah, yeah. so i presume the at the, the first blitz was it was it a day? Was it two days? What was it? The first place was for two days, Tony. You had uh, f- six teams of boys and six teams of girls. Right. That lasted over the two days, and that game that Eamon was talking about then was thrown in in the middle of that, like, yeah. because that was the sweetener from the start. Yes. But uh, it went from there, then. I mean, it has increased. Enormously, I mean, from six games that time to maybe forty-four players in, to- in total. Yeah, it is now gone to one thousand four hundred fifty players. Incredible. In, in over five days, um, <clears throat> the blitz uh, would be played. It, the first day would be Saint Stephen's Day. So the hall, turning a dance hall into a basketball court, mm. had to take place on Christmas Day in the evening time. So there used to be a big crew there, and it was the first time in my life that I heard of a thing called masking tape. <laughs> and it was the Duke that introduced me to this, and he told me where I could buy it. And no, I didn't have a whole lot of money at the time, but I was dispatched down to a Heaven's garage to buy masking tape. This was to do the lines, the sidelines, and the various markings on the floor. So that all had to take place on Christmas Day. Then the Blitz would start on Stephen's Day, but there was a problem because on Stephen's Night was the biggest dance of the year in the Astor. So our basketball court had to become a dance hall again. So we had to take down our baskets, our masking tape had to come up, God knows, I used to look to see could it be reused, but it couldn't. But anyway, um, uh, 
then when the dance was over, at about by the time the band would be out and everything, it would be 2am at least, then we had to fall in and mark the floor and put down the baskets and get everything ready again for half nine the following morning. And you might get home at four o'clock, but you had to be there again the following morning at nine, and we did it. Mm. So it was, it was great fun. But there was a great story told about the very, very first splits. Christmas Day, and it was getting on, and we were putting up a basket. And we were trying and trying, and Donald had bits of piping and bits of wood and everything, and we couldn't get the basket near the door erected properly. And the first ball that would hit it would bring the whole thing crashing. There were talks of the whole thing having to be called off, and there was panic and everything. But, as I said in, in somewhere, come at the hour, come at the man. A young carpenter wombled in, well imbued with the Christmas spirit, <laughs> took one look, solved the problem, and he didn't realise that, but for him, 50 years of the Christmas splits would have gone out the window. And, so, and does he have a name, that carpenter? Mike Mitchell. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. Like, I presume as well, Eamon, that even, like, and I'm sure that they're there in year 50, in year one, there must have been the local dude there must have been the guy who was the guy who was going to be the king of the blitz from day one. He was going to take over. It was going to be all about him. Was there? Yes, there was. And I mean, there's no doubt about it, but Duke was the guy that, uh, that drove the whole initiative. I know I'm talking about player-wise. Well, player, that was me, Tony. Oh, I right. mean, that was me. I mean, not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yes. But um, there's another story later on, which I will refer to uh, in, our, uh, in our later years. It's to do with a, a move called 32, which I think Dennis might even add to us. <laughs> Go on, tell me about it now, 32. Well, um, in our school at the time, in, in the um, secondary school in Castle Island, we started a, a team and um, we asked the, the late Tim Carrish to know if he sort out jerseys for us. Mm. So he says, yeah, he said, those jerseys there, the football ones. So <laughs> those were the only jerseys they had. Right. So we decided we'd use St. Mary's. So we played in the, the colleges. And uh, Dennis was uh, myself. There was um, Brendan Braston and Billy Lyons, God rest his John soul. Lines. John Lyons, Pa Connor. He'd been a brother of Willie Dams and John's. Um, and so we decided we'd play. And anyway, we won the, the carry when we won. We won the final of the Munster and we were playing in Mallow. So we were doing a bit of training on the side. And um, by the way, uh, we were trained down in a place called the Second Bag Company, which is down. Creamery Lane, and um, so we trained there for, for for a couple of nights. But we came up. What with was the second bag? It, it was the Rhino Mills. Belonged <laughs> to the Rhino yeah, Mills. Yeah, yeah. So they'd actually repaired the bags there in the day. They these old bags. They'd saw them and everything. But we got in there. There was a bit of a floor, and we put up a basket. So we ran a move in there called uh, Thirty Two, and the move uh, we we called it in Mallow and 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 we were, we were I think we were maybe only a pint up at the time or something like that but it was coming to the end of the game and uh, so I was bringing the ball Dennis was playing at the pint and Brendan Braston at the time was the, our best shooter so the move was to get Brendan free for the basket mm. so I shouts 32 and it passes Dennis the ball runs down past Dennis and all I saw was the ball shooting up in the air hits the ring comes playing back out over Dennis's head and we had the two boys from Mellow they were um, 
I forget their names again, but they played National League afterwards and yeah. they ran down the court, scored the basket, game over. So to this day, for years after that, any time we'd meet Dennis, 32. <laughs> and he's suffered for it since, thanks be to God. Now 32, I didn't get too much of an airing, I'd say, after that. Duke, tell me, at what point did Sears, did, did it start to become more than just something at Christmas? Do you know, because it, it obviously in later years, and I know I'm talking 90s and noughties now, it became huge. But at what point used you go home, we'll say, after a blitz on the 28th or whatever it used to finish, Ned, and say to yourself, Jesus, this is this is a monster we've created. You're quite right in what you say, Tony. Like in the start, it was two two competitions. It was very handy to run, eighteen games, no bother. And like the lads said, over two game, two days they were split. Mm. You know, but then as time went on, we were adding two more competitions, two more. But it came to stage in for oh, what year? But. It, it went to 204 games right. and this was over five days Ah but hold on no a second you're jumping like, how did it go from two well, days to five some, you must have made a decision Dennis or yeah. lads at some stage and said you know we take this now on to a different level Duke well to, for me anyway Tony it was by adding the competitions mm. and it was, you, it was necessitated that you'd have to have more time obviously we were at a Acquiring a better facility at the community centre, which what, was what year did you go to seventy six, okay. and uh, then you know you were having all these extra competitions, and you had to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, as we'll say, late maybe early eighties, we had had to expand, and we had to go for more days, mm-hmm. which we did, and then we decided. As we went on, we'd had the last day, the third day, as finals day. Yeah. Do you know, it, that it was an attraction within itself. No, we couldn't play all the finals on that day. No, like this year, we can't play 22 finals on the last day mm. because we give 40, 40 minutes, 45 for a final. To give plenty of time because you'll have presentations and all that. But the thing is, it built up from that. And uh, the other point, and... Thanks to you, Tony. I remember some stage during the year, or during the years, we had the program drawn up, fixtures and all made. Gets a phone call from Tony, and he says, I can get Neptune. I said, you're joking me, we have the thing made out. Now, Neptune was the holy grail of basketball that time. Tony knew... Um, the sponsor at the time, Jackie no, Sol, Jackie Solon, and Borgerland, Borgerland, and he said, "I can get him down, and if I get him, I'll get the North Man, and I'll get Blue Demons." So that was three teams you were going to have. This was going to be a massive altogether. We had Cholester, we had a Limerick team, uh, Marathon, and we had the local guys, um, Paul or uh, Saint Vincent's Killarney mm. at the time. So here now we were going to have six teams. I wasn't praying for Tony. The program, it is very near being printed. We had to change the whole lot because we were going to include nine extra games. But it it wasn't the be-all and end of the bits. Like the, we have competitions from the tiny tots right up to the Super League teams. But every one of those, they are all 
competitive in their own competition. And then you have the dreaded division fours, fives, threes, and that's where... The alcoholics, for us, says. <laughs> like some fellas said one morning, late, like, gee, better start bagging the fellas here <laughs> before they go on the court. And the other thing is like, and we have been so lucky in all our time for the Blitz, and hopefully, fingers crossed, it won't happen, that nobody will be seriously injured, or ev- and that we had only one claim, and that was proven not right. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that we've, no, we've never had anybody bagged. I thought you were going to say there. I mean, Eileen made a very good point there earlier where she actually said, Cecily Duke, and with those Division 4 and 5 games, you don't really have to be a great basketballer to play in them. I mean, I've played in those, Eileen, and they, they're as much like rugby as they are about basketball. Well, Tony, I won't cast any aspersions on your basketball skills, no. but um, like Donald says, you know, there was a, there, there's always been as much excitement out of a game with primary schools, at four points to two, yeah. as there would out of the National League players. I'd say nearly more. You know, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's been such a familial <laughs> thing. So you have mums and dads and aunts and uncles and granddads and grandmas, and they're coming down year in, year out to see their children and their grandchildren. And, you know, it's a generational thing. Um, I know, I suppose, when I was involved in the organising committee and I spent many an hour um, up doing the score sheets, etc., our parents didn't see us for the whole five days. We were gone. Now, maybe they were delighted we were gone. I don't know. But um, And then you'd see your family coming down and they'd be so proud of the way that everybody was playing, you know. And I suppose, you know, during the my time playing there, we had really good um, ladies team in Castle Island outside of the Blitz. Mm. And they would usually divide us into two, like the red team and the blue team, or St. Mary's and St. Joseph's, I think it was. And, like, the rivalry between those two teams was second to none. Yeah. Skin and hair flying. Um, and then I experienced another rivalry when I brought the team from Cork years later. And... I ended up on the side against St. Mary's in the final, and the team I brought won. <laughs> so that, that, that was That went good. down well. Oh, that went down very well. But I suppose, you know, people, the younger people listening here will probably say, in the name of God, that was so archaic back in the day. But, like, the organisation that went into it was, was just top class and second to none. But the things that had to be done to hold the whole thing together... Um, I remember in the early 80s, I was working in Dublin and every weekend I used to go back in the train armed with cardboard, uh, I don't know what you call them, cardboard posters. And I'd spend the week, instead of doing my preparation for teaching, hand stenciling the names of the teams that would be playing to put up the scoreboard. (laughs) And a bit like Dennis, hoping that the masking tape could be recycled, I was certainly hoping that they wouldn't make sugar of these boards I had made and that they would last... For, for the year, the years coming on, you know. Yeah. So there was a lot of uh, hands-on stuff. Dennis? Uh, you were coming from a very low base in the very early days. I, 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 I've written somewhere about a time when there was only one basketball in the whole town. <laughs> and that ball was in the possession of the Presentation Sisters. And... Sometimes when you would call to the convent, you would get the ball, and other times you would get the road. <laughs> um, 
I seem to remember playing games when the seams in the ball were so warden that there was a big, huge bulge in it. I mean, that is the base you were coming from. And I think just to get a sense of how wonderful it was for us to get into a hall from that, where there were possibly even three or four basketballs, imagine, in the whole town. I mean, this was something else. We thought we were in seventh heaven. Yeah. But once, Eamon, I think, and I would obviously say it as an outsider of sorts, I think the trick, not the trick is the wrong word, sorry, I think the specialty about what he did as an organising committee is exactly what Eileen said, is that everybody mucked in. Everybody had a job, and if they didn't have a job, they were given a job to make sure it went well. That's true, Tonya, and also you had a group of volunteers there which were absolutely incredible because not alone were they given jobs but they also took on jobs and <clears throat> there were people there that just came in for the blitz that had no idea at all about basketball they did the door they did we say crowd control and these were you know great volunteers which really helped the blitz but that's a testament to the man himself like you know uh, to Don because he was able to, um, and I suppose manipulate people is the wrong word, but he was no, able it's to... it's probably the correct word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, he, had, he had a great way with people like that. But going back to, we say, the, the early 80s, there was a, 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 an explosion of basketball in the area at that mm. stage. And we decided, I know at one stage, that the best place to put the national school boys and girls was before the Premier Final. Now... We kind of uh, had this idea that a lot of people would turn up to see the uh, Premier Final anyway. And you had these young kids and they're playing in front of ending up to, we say, 1,500 to maybe 2,000 people. And for them to actually play in front of a crowd like that, I remember refereeing a few games and you could literally feel their heart pounding on their chest. These are seven and eight years old. Yeah, and, you know, they, they, they were incredible. And going back to... I think my, my wife Liz referred to one of it in the programme about an Ollie Nolan taking a, a three-pointer uh, at the time, from which was outside nearly the halfway line. There wasn't a three-pointer line at that stage to win the game. I think the score might have been maybe 4-2 or something. But uh, like the whole place erupted. And that was not alone for the young, we said, the National School uh, Junior, but it was also for the senior teams, the likes of, we say... The girls' team, St Mary's 1 and 2, the likes of Trotters and Tralee, the likes of Killarney, Abbey Field, all these people, now they were playing in front of a crowd of 1,500 people. This was not going to happen anywhere else unless they were on the National League team. And some of the National League teams weren't even getting these crowds at the games. So this in itself was incredible. You just, I remember running up and down the sideline trying to referee games and, and, and you jumping over people. Then we had the, the, the National League players were coming in, the likes of Tony Andre and so on and so forth. Dennis and myself had the good fortune of going to Dungarvan, or as, the, as Duke referred to, Kilgarvan, to become referees. And um, we did a course down there anyway, and in 1973. And uh, so um, Ned was down with uh, coaching, and um, I think Brendan. Brendan was player improvement, and PJ was player improvement. Eileen was down there. I actually there. believe... He says he introduced him to drink in Dungarvan. That's your husband now? Yes. Yeah. There could nothing be farther from the truth. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it happened that I think drink came his way one night, all right, we had to bring him home. But that was the, 
anyway, <clears throat> we um, we were refereeing a game and Tony Andrew was playing. And I remember we ran down and he blocked some fella. And I called a foul. A foul in you, ref. And he turned around to me just in front of the stage. And of course, the stage was full. And he said, hey, man, he said, you can't even see that high, he says. <laughs> <laughs> so... <clears throat> I got a kind of a takedown from, from but he, there were some fantastic players that came into play in the Blitz over that period of time. I mean, the best in the country were, were in Castle Island, you know. And for the people of Castle Island, they only had to go down the street and um, just to see the type of games that were going on, the rivalry that was there, that was going on for days and days and days before it, the characters that came out, the likes of Moshin, he'd, 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 he'd plunk it from the halfway line. Dennis Cronin. Dennis Cronin is right. And, uh, you know, all these fellas... He had a particularly sliding tackle kind of a thing as well. Do you remember that? Where he slid in under the player that was shooting. That's right. But there was a small bit of psychology in that as well because we were fortunate enough to see Sean McCarthy playing with uh, the mouse one night. So we said our tactic was to leave mouse, shoot, back off him, leave him shoot. And if he missed the first two, there's no way would Sean allow him shoot anymore. <laughs> so we left him shoot the first two anyway, and he missed the two of them. So I caused somebody to remind you, Sean, geez, you might have put it into your eye. So Sean went off on you and tattered the mouse, and that was it. Sean was twice the mouse's size. He was. <laughs> he was. Like that, that little phase you're talking about there, Ned, that, that Eamon is eloquently talking about, is, is my recollection when I started going to the Blitz at maybe 15, 16, was that phase where all the international stars started coming and as you said for a while there it just went manic it was literally like as as Eamon said you could be trampled actually going up the sideline there players were falling into the crowd shooting yeah. I mean it was incredible stuff our biggest problem that time Tony was in case the fire officer turned up because if the fire officer turned up he certainly would close the door I mean Absolutely. all jokes aside if you look back yeah. now yeah. there's no way you could get away with what what you no, no, no. And I mean, we we say no. Health and safety is a wonderful thing, but my God, that time if it was, it would have destroyed our blitz. <laughs> and, and also, Tony, trying to keep the floor dry when the big right. crowds yeah. were in. Yeah. Donald was out his mop and, the and, and cloth, yeah, yeah, cleaning the floor. I remember one year. I mean, you're going to have other ones, but one that sticks in my mind. Do you remember Brian Clark? Yes. Uh, very good footballer now as well. Uh, Shawnee Clark's younger brother and went. I remember there was one final they were in Duke one year and just as you were talking about there, literally fell back into the crowd, hitting the three with maybe two seconds to go. And you were talking about Eamon. I suppose it's it's hard for us lads to articulate when you say like that the, the place went mad. But it used to go mad. It used to actually go mad, Dennis, didn't it? It, 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 it was just insane there at stages. And some of those players, international players and so on, would... would we speak about enjoying watching them and the excitement and so on. But they couldn't get over either because some of them used to stay in the crown and I would often be there and I'd be chatting to them while I was imbibing, doing the crossword with my friend Mike Lodonohu. Yeah. And um, they couldn't get over. They had played in tournaments all over the country and so on, but they had never seen anything like this. Mm. And it's just, there's a serious point there, Duke, as well, because there was a stage when basketball nationally dipped seriously. And I used to remind the people, I don't know, was it Basketball Ireland then, but whatever it was, the Irish Basketball Association, and I used to remind them and I used to say, you really should be supporting this blitz in Castle Island more because while basketball was dipping, 
the Blitz never dipped. And you're right, Dennis, in what you say. The Terry Stricklands and all these guys used to come. Um, Ned, didn't they used to come down and they used to actually end up... They, they loved coming uh, to Castle Island. Absolutely. Not only that, but we organised a game one time outside of the Blitz, I suppose, again, to see if we could make a few pounds, where we brought all the foreign players that were in the country together to play... A com- just a one-off An game. game. Yeah. The Dodgers uh, weren't available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we filled the hall that time. But talking about money, Tony, the amount of money it takes to cover the running of the Blitz, consider all the competitions, consider that there has to be a prize, and sometimes the runners-up, depending on the competition, mm-hmm. you had to collect an awful lot of money. And you must give it to the town of Castle Island. Mm. It is probably as excellent a community as you'll ever come across. Mm. And if you look at our programme, you'll see all the sponsorship that has been collected. And year on year, there'll be a time, it is like, you know, we all know when the 6th of January happens, but the people at Castle Island know when the Blitz is coming up, because Duke is on the street, knocking on the doors. And... He'll collect most of them himself, himself, but there will be other, there will be places where he may not be the main dude that could not be refused. Yes. So he won't go there, but he will pick his man <laughs> to go there, guaranteeing that they get the sponsorship. Do but, it. Take the microphone there, because I wanted to ask you just about... At, was there any stage at all where you felt this is running out of gas? You know, because trying to keep something going every year, and it's like the way society is, folks, now, you know, people get tired of things a lot quicker. They want to move on to the next big thing. So maybe, is, is has Ned hit the nail on the head there? Is the secret of 50 years the fact that the local community just keeps regenerating and supporting, as Eileen said, she played, and now your kids and, you know, all that? Is that is that the secret? That's your Quite correct, Tony. I'll just give you an example. I remember sometime in the mid-80s, being below in the hall and uh, inside the door, and when the presentations nuns would arrive, you'd be trying to get a seat for them. Now trying to get a seat for one at that stage, like in the place packed, like, but you might see somebody. But anyway, Sister Ephraim was her name, Lotta Messner. She was standing inside the door, and this child was in front of her and she said, Hello, who are you? I'm Margaret Sullivan. Oh, I taught your mum. Her mum is standing in front of her and she said, That's right, sir, and you taught my mother as well. Now, you had people that had children playing. They were going out playing themselves after. Do you know, your grandparents playing. Mm. It's going on so long and it's all about the local... People have a fierce pride in it, locally. Yeah. Plus the fact, like Ned said, trying to... Uh, it costs nearly 20000 to run it. Mm. Now, people might think we are cleaning up. The, the club makes maybe five or 6000 out of it, but it's a hard graph. But it's for the community, and people realise that because they're so good to you, and they're so fully behind you and they back you like and they wanted to go ahead and you know they're mad for it and all that now Eileen she in fairness to her in the, the days I don't know how she did it but she's quite right about making out these chats for the scoreboard now we came a long way we have two electronic scoreboards not one but two 
But she used to make out then. But the other pain in the butt was top scorer for the Blitz. Now, you had a pile of team uh, score sheets. And Eileen would be going through them. Like, she was very meticulous. And she'd be, you know, going through. The next thing, something would come up that evening. There'd be an announcement every evening who was leading this la-la-la. And they'd be up to Eileen. I had two more pints than that guy. <laughs> Eileen then would, of course, check the sheet and I'd meet on the following morning and she'd say, no, he was wrong, you know, and that was... But thanks be to God, we dispensed with that idea. Eileen had left, went down to better things, like, and uh, we decided to replace it with... The MVP, mm. which meant we got a, some guy in the crowd and we said, Ned, will you pick? Nobody knew who was picking it, mm. but it would be on the final and it was cut and dry there, it was done there and then, and there was no messing with it, like, you know. Yeah. But that's another, uh, I, I think, an improvement. But to try to answer your question, Tony, the enthusiasm <coughs> was there by the local people, and you know it yourself because you were one of the first people to write an article for it. Con Hoolan, we had he he was there. Eamon Horn. Eamon Horn didn't know anything about basketball. He knew Tony and he decided that he'd write an article and the first press night we had Eamon decided he'd come to it. It was on a Friday night. This is Eamon Horn from the Kerry by the yeah. way. Yeah, the famous GA correspondent. And it was on in Skivinas and he pallied around with the local photographer, John Reedy, and we were in Skivinas. There was a great night had by all. Uh, that was Friday night, and Saturday came, Sunday came, and I got a ring from John Barry, the editor of the sports section in the Kerryman. Did I see Eamon Horn? Now, this is three days after the event, and I said, no, he left Friday night, he said he's to have copy in to me this evening. Do you know where he is? And I said, I don't. But Eamon apparently had his copy in on Tuesday morning. But that was Eamon Horn's... But he had to do a lot of research, Donald. There was a lot of research to be done for that for that basketball blitz. Um, one of the things that were talked about, the quality of actual player that actually played in the yeah. blitz. Um, I think it was maybe 1982, uh, I think, was the first Premier... Um, time that we brought the Premier men into the the the, the, the big national league teams exactly. Yeah. But in nineteen in eighty three we had our own Premier team, which uh, involved Big John, John uh, Big yeah. John O'Connor. I think I know was there one two. I think there was five O'Connors on the the first five. There was Big John. There was uh, Arthur O'Connor. There was Willie Dam. There was John O'Connor, and myself. And PJ was our sub, <laughs> and PJ PJ was brought on very very quick. But anyway, having said that, we won the Premier that year. We beat Killarney in the final. They had uh, Pat O'Shea was playing with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sammy Mudarulo. Mudaruglu. Mudaruglu. He was yeah. Turkish. He was Turkish. He was yeah. fantastic. He was yeah 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 yeah. And uh, so that was the, the fo- one of the first Premier uh, t- blitz that we actually won. Said that Saint Mary's had won. And uh, but the quality of player that was was around uh, through the whole, we say blitz and you look back at him like you're the likes of uh, John Tehan, 
you know, which was an mm. incredible pound for pound to me. He was one of the best basketball players in the country. Absolutely. You have Declan Wall, who's now playing with, with Kilargan, still mm. playing with Kilargan. Um, incredible player. You had um, the girls. I mean, the, the, the girls were incredible. They would have graced any Irish team, mm. you know. And um, they but basketball, Eamon, just just for people who wouldn't get a sense of it, I mean, people will automatically assume, obviously, Castle Island is a GAA town, and people will have the you know the local rugby thing with with Mike Galway and Moskeen and JJ Hanran more laterally. But like, was Castle Island a big basketball town ever before the Blitz? Was it a basketball town in the sixties? Um, you you had a team uh, around that time: Christy Cronin, um, Ned Burke, uh, Michael Broston. There was a few Shy Nolan, yeah. and you had you had a couple of those. Now, it like basketball in the county would have been considered very very we say minor sport from the point of view as very very few people played it. I think one of the first games was played in the main street in Castle Island. Really? Yeah. And on uh, the main street. On the main street, yeah. And what right. did they use for baskets? They had baskets. Yeah. They had really? baskets, yeah. They had really? Uh, one basket almost facing the top of the town, standing at the fountain, yeah. and the other one above a church street corner, a church street in the middle of the street. I remember that. It was, remember that. It was a carnival time, I think. Yeah. And But the number of basketball teams, even in the county at that time, Tony, yeah. were minuscule. You were looking at... If you didn't have, you had three probably basketball teams in Tralee. You had one in Killarney, you had one in Kilarglen, and I'd say that was about as much basketball as was, and us in Castle Island. Yeah, because yeah, that was it. Because I, I would argue, Eileen, I don't know whether you you view in this. I mean, you talk about the har- you know, the horse and the cart. Look at Castle Island now in terms of where it is basketball wise. It is a huge basketball town, national league consistently in the National League and able to maintain their position in the National League. Wouldn't wouldn't it be a fair comment to say like that the Blitz is one of the reasons for that, that it created a culture of basketball in Castle Island that continues to this day? That's very true, Tony. And I'm glad actually that Eamon mentioned that 1983 Premier League final because it was one of my highlights because I suppose we always felt the girls felt we were very well organised. We were yeah. superbly trained by... Donald down here to my left um, the fellas in the town were their skill level was just off the Richter scale but I don't know for whatever reason <clears throat> they maybe they weren't as organised as the women I'm not yeah. too sure but I think that their skills weren't um, portrayed on a wider scale mm. let's say like like our team was you know so when they came together and formed this Premier League um, team for the Blitz it was like you know the Minos taking on the Giants if you like and that year when they won just the place went nuts mm. and I remember personally I was doing the score sheet and of course you were supposed to be ultra PC and very non-committal and say nothing but like a score sheet was going up in the air and you know it was just amazing that our own lads with the help of of Big John were able to take on the best that was out there and it was great to see and it was a bit of a reward as well for the men's side of the club you know because I say like the women in fairness and have continued to take a lot of the plot it's for years Mm. now maybe I mean it has changed in in latter years with the the National League team and all that you know but um, I mean it's well known that if you nurture the youth, you know, things are going to grow. Um, you'll keep 
you'll keep people out of trouble. Um, you'll engender in them a love for the game. Yeah. And well, you'll hope, like absolutely, and you'll hope that they'll um, go on to bigger and better things and stay with the club and stay with the sport that they love. Mm. Mm. Um, Dennis? Agreeing with what you said there as well, I firmly believe that it was those, was it five years done, Lindy Astor? Six. Six. That people actually saw the need to have a proper basketball place. Mm. And hence the, uh, the community centre was born. But I firmly believe that without that uh, tournament starting in the Aster, you see, it gave people a chance to see what could be done, even with the limited facilities that were there. Mm. And in fairness, Ned mentioned it already about the townspeople of Castle Island. The sporting... I worked in the, the, the 70s in Port Leash, which was a county town. Castle Island had a way more to offer sports-wise mm. than was in Port Leash at that particular time. And the townspeople supported everything. Um, now, just one aside, I remember Donal, of course, was ahead of his time. It never came to fruition, but he had a suggestion that time. The Craigians and the field below it, where the Riacht is now, mm. were available. They were for sale. And Donald's idea was to put the community centre there, have a soccer pitch, football pitch, mm. rugby pitch, so on, instead of duplicating facilities, which is what happened afterwards. All over the country. The whole place, and I mean, it's only in recent times that the soccer club have their own pitch that they can call their own. And they've had a very strong club over the years. But Donald's idea was to put the whole lot there mm. and have dressing rooms and everything as part of the community centre. And you could have eliminated a lot. And as well as that, the land up there was second to none. It was bone dry, limestone practically coming up through yeah. the... It's the rugby club are up the there, The rugby aren't club yeah. are there now. But uh, he, as I say, he was a man ahead of his time. But I do believe that it was the Christmas Blitz which gave the impetus for the building of the community <coughs> centre. Uh, when Dennis talks about the, the community in Castle Island and about how how generous the community have been uh, to all the sporting facilities in town, uh, I suppose I must carry my own badge here at the moment in relation to recently we started the community first responder in Castle Island and the people of Castle Island came up with in the region of 10,500, mm. just out of the blue. Like That's the type of people you're dealing with. Yeah. And they have been forthcoming in, in, in all the organisations like that right across the board. But I suppose to talk about Donal and what he created the first day, um, like where it has gone, it has gone so global. 40 minutes last night I spent on the phone talking to a friend of mine in New York. He was looking up at the website of the photographs that were taken at the launch at the 50th. Mm. And he went through every one of those photographs. Now, his name is Tony Braston, and that's going to be related to the people in Tiernanog, the Colberts, to Arthur O'Connor, to Hugh O'Connell, to Moss Hartnett, to Nasa Kerwin, all these people who are over in the States. Who are over in the States. Yeah. And they constantly are inquiring about the Blitz. They've all played in the Blitz. They are constantly looking for the programme, going through it and so on and so forth. And one or two of their names keeps popping up that they either played for the county or they were the top scorer in the Blitz. 
but they look forward to being part of this history all the time. And when Dolan started out that time, the first day, we had six guys, six girls picking teams, which was local. And now, 50 years on, it has gone so global. Mm. There's no programs going out to Saudi Arabia, to Australia, to New Zealand, to America, to Canada, to England. It's it's incredible where the splits has, has taken us. Yeah. And it has, like, every one of the players have got so much enjoyment out of it. And I would certainly say I have enjoyed my time with, with, with the Blitz and I've met some great friends. And I think going down to the Blitz, it's like the meeting of the waters where you meet the people that come back from, we say, wherever they've been and they meet around Christmas time there. Even people that went away to college, they brought back teams. They went to England, they brought over teams. They were in Dublin. Delta Notre Dame, to me, was born in Castle Island. That's right. Out of the Blitz. You know, I saw Bright like, Saunders, wasn't it? Wasn't that Bright, Bright Saunders, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bright Teehan, yeah. Yeah, Bright yeah. Teehan. And like, when you look at all those people that have contributed to that, but it's the idea or the ideology of one man that has taken this from where it is to where it is. And Ned, it's sorry, uh, Ned, can I just ask you, do you, if people said to you, you know, God, Castle Island Blitz is, is, is massive, no, it's a national thing and everybody hears about it, and yet, what I gather from you, though, is it still is the, it's the local element is the key to the success, not the superstars. Right. We, I mean, you made reference to it there earlier on, where footballers, rugby players, everybody that was playing sport in the, in the community, we figured they should be looked after. Bring them to the basketball court and let them represent our parish or represent our football club or represent our rugby club. It created its own bit of competition. Mm. And uh, all of that, I suppose, that was one of the reasons it grew from two days to three days, because it it spread its wings like that. Now you have a situation now where you have a club in Castle Island that's second to none. Mm. You have a top-class PRO. You have a top-class captain. You have a committee that are second to none. the, the, The work they put into this and the continuance of all the chairpersons and chairpeople that I'm conscious that Eamon's wife was the only lady was the only chairperson probably mm. that we that in the 50 years since then she was the only chairperson uh um, I heard a story last night, I suppose, the Copper Fessens, the idea that it's not just Castle Island people that have been affected by the Blitz and it just uh, demonstrates the global um, attraction we, of it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I was on the phone to our good friend Sheila Hickey, who played many years in the Blitz. She's in Chicago. And she said she had been chatting to NASA Kerwin, mentioned earlier, uh, who was nursing in New York. And NASA was at some in-service training for the want of a better word I'm not quite sure what it was and the guy giving the course she said to herself "Mm, he sounds Irish I think he might be from Cork so she went up to him afterwards and she said any chance are you from Cork so he said he was now I don't have his name unfortunately but he said to her where are you from and she said Castle Island and he said oh my god he said that's a fantastic place. He was come from Cork. Now, I don't know what, what team mm. on the bus down to the Blitz. And he said that's one of his favourite places he ever played and one of his favourite memories of basketball. Yeah. So, like, it's not just our own people. 
that have been affected by it? When, when I look, uh, Donald, at the community centre now, and it's all very clush now, and there's tiered seating behind the rings, and, and compared to what it was, I remember you told me a story once, and, you know, the laws of libel, you know, it's okay, the statute of limitations is long gone in it, but I remember one year, you were saying you actually got a, an unmerciful fright because the crowd was so big. You said, I, I actually thought I saw the, 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 the balcony sway. That the, it was so packed at that stage that the whole thing nearly came down. That's quite true, Tony. It's a, it was a, a final uh, St. Vincent and Calami were playing at St. Mary's team that consisted of Charlie Nelligan was playing now. Right. And Billy Lyons, Lartemerson, who captained the Desmonds to win in All Ireland in '85, but it was a local team. Eileen's brother was playing. Uh, Brendan Lyon, and my nephew James O'Grady, who you had played golf with, mm. and Alan uh, Gordon, and guys like you had about four older fellas and four younger guys, and it was a cracking game, like. And some bit of a scuffle took place at the near wall here. And over that, there was a balcony and it was uh, tiered seating. And people rushed down and... To see the fight? To see what was yeah. happening. Yeah. And the whole front of that went like that and just came back. If it went down, there'd have been two or three hundred people down on top of the floor. Right? But we were so lucky that it, it came back again. Obviously, people took a break, just came back. But yeah. if there was another fellow, heavier fellow... The whole thing could have come <laughs> up and down the floor, right, you know? I know, and we're laughing now, but those kind of things accelerate. You say to yourself, we've got to do this, and we've got... And then, of course, what we haven't mentioned is the second venue, which is almost like a throwback to the 1970s, wasn't it? In terms of just for people who just create a vision, Eamon, you create a vision here, of what the, isn't it called the presentation hall? Isn't it's it? St. John's. St. John's, the shoebox it's known as. Explain to people, because there's no sidelines on it. Um, I don't even know, like it's difficult to actually get into it, to actually watch a game, but it's for the kids. It's for the kids, yeah. And uh, I suppose the reason was that, you know, the kids were so small that we just wanted to kind of put it in context, the same size to bring it down a little bit. But to just the balcony stage... And the amount of people that would congregate there is incredible. And uh, then there's two little small. There's a doorway uh, for team the away team. And then there's a small little porch as well for the home team. So that's where they go. But it's, um, it, it, it is like a shoebox. Yeah. You know. I suppose to create a picture of it, it's a rectangle. And there's a little stage behind one end. And then it's basically three walls. And consider now, Tony, that we played... Football clubs and rugby clubs inside in that small hall, but we could only play four aside. <laughs> and, 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 you know, after that. Rugby, after, I can imagine rugby yeah, inside yeah. there. After that, that was moved down uh, to the community centre, and only the kids allowed up to, uh, to play in, in, in St. You couldn't even make it five aside, could you? No, no, no it was four aside. Four aside, because it was too dangerous. It was. The hall was too small, and yeah. the, the side walls were too close to the. The sidelines, so... Was there ever a point, Dennis, I mean, and I suppose Duke will be nodding when I say this, but was there ever a point where he actually thought, this is getting too big? 
you know, that we need to actually stop the growth of this. It's gone to five days. I mean, do what do you, I mean, look, you're the tournament director. Is it ever gone to a stage where you thought to yourself, it's getting out of control? Well, I think it was one year, Tony, when we had 211 games. Yeah. And uh, the, one of the nights went into the, the following day, and our last game was finished at a quarter past 12. And you had to get the hall ready again for the following day and to get starting again at 8. Yeah. So to be fair to the people that were involved, like all the people sitting around the table here, and uh, multiple of people that help us, throughout the Blitz and down through the years all of them like there are too many to name but all those people were going down doing their thing but that was pushing it too far mm. so we had to now at this stage Tony to answer your question we are more uh, relaxed now because we have the thing we feel under control mm. but talking about the small halls <laughs> now we come under the fire regulations in St. John's, Tony. Don't let there any doubt about that. We have three doors and we have a back off of the, the stage where people can go out. Right. And we are very pleased and we are delighted to announce that the fire officer is a member of our club as well. <laughs> <laughs> so in the centre, so, you yeah. have one, two, three, four, you have six out doors so there's no problem there right yeah you're kind of mentioning this so much donald that i'm actually beginning to wonder is there a certification <laughs> issue that we should be talking about at this no, t- t- how t- are the crowds by the way i mean the, the, every time i've been there in recent years it still seems to be packed it's more it's more managed now i suppose Eamon, isn't it? it you know the fact that you've better seating and all that yeah you have tony you've much better seating and obviously that to conform with the health and safety regulation uh, in certain areas but um, no again I'd go back to the volunteers that are there the volunteers are incredible you know they they put people to their seats they make sure the place is full and so on and so forth um, but the atmosphere isn't lost yes that's you know, key the atmosphere actually. we you were kind of afraid that you know having players and spectators at only one side of the hall and that was one of the ideas we wanted to make sure that there was people at the other side so that people reacted off each other. Mm. And I still go back to the junior and national schools. Like, it's incredible. Like, there's parish rules there. There's people fighting over it. There's people... It's it's just it's just something to behold, you know, when you look at, at young ones there and she's on the court or the boy and he's, there's only a point in the game because, obviously, you know, it's a running clock. Yeah. It's seven minutes aside. There isn't going to be a big score, so most games are going to be fairly tight. And I think the rule was shoot as much as you could and make sure you don't let the other crowd shoot at all. Mm. That was the idea of that you were going to win the blitz. But um, a little story about a young girl there. In I was refereeing one game. Duke forced me to referee, of course, um, in the final of a national school girls. And she got so excited that she turned around and threw the ball at her own ring. And it, unlucky, it just missed it. But I could just imagine what the poor misfortune. Yeah. The crowd, I, I happened to be looking at the crowd at the same time. They all just stood up shouting at her, shouting at her, don't shoot it, don't. And she shot it at the misfortune. But she missed it anyway, thanks for the God. Right. But uh, it, it's just the atmosphere is still there, thanks for the God. Yeah. And, and over the years in the national school, uh, the excitement has not diminished. You can be sure that last Monday now, when the programmes became available, Mm. you'd see huddles around the school at break time and they'd be going through 
their teams, their fixtures, and they'd be highlighting with their pens uh, the times of their games and so on. Mm. And that excitement has not diminished. And, you know, people talk about children today and the technology and all this sort of thing. And, of course, there is a certain amount of that. But the excitement of the Blitz has not diminished. No. And Eileen, you mentioned earlier, um, in terms of, I use that awful phrase, a ballroom of romance. But let's call a spade a spade here. Certainly, I know in my day, Dennis is talking about looking at the programme. You were as likely to be looking at the intermediate girls' teams and what time those games were at. And I'm probably, you might have been looking at the under-18 boys and saying, no, I think I'll get down to the hall that, that on Tuesday morning. Yeah, I'd say there was, there certainly was a little bit of that, all right. And it's probably the reason why we didn't go home for from morning till night because yeah. we were watching everything that moved. But really. it was a gathering point, yeah. wasn't it? It was, absolutely. And I suppose, you know, say here in Cork now, if we're here over Christmas, you know, people are kind of keeping to themselves or whatever, you know. But the Blitz is a, a focus and a forum through which you meet people and you see people you haven't seen for ages. Maybe as we were younger, we were watching out for fellas or girls, as the case may be, and certainly romances did emanate. Mm. Um yeah, um, something I just thought of there earlier, you know, you were talking about Donnelly's organisation and everything else. A few times I saw him very, very flapped right. over the years. And that was when there'd be a game ending on a level score. Yeah, <laughs> overtime. Overtime. And we'll be tied if there were two in a row or Big anything. Big problems. Because our schedule went majorly out the window and you'd see him prowling like a lion up and down the sideline lads come on we have to get this going there's such a team coming in you know so that was probably one of the few times bar when he had to back me up because some fella from division three said i scored 10 points you want to have me down for eight he wanted his top scorer to uh trophy for the pub that night but they're about the only times i saw him flapped over the years who ned is the best player you ever saw playing in the castle island blitz that's a good question. Uh, I was very impressed with Pat O'Shea from Killarney. Mm. I thought he was probably the best playmaker that I ever saw. Yeah. You know, and you see again people outside Kerry yeah. know Pat O'Shea as a footballer and a Kerry manager. But I would argue, and I, I played against him for, uh, I would say his, he was, his first love was basketball, Ned, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. He was unbelievable. He was one guard. Of the, I'd say he was one of the first Kelly basketball players to be taken to American scholarship. Was he? Yeah. And he came home and you could see the result of, of the teaching in America. Yeah. Uh, Dior Marsh, I suppose. We, we, Ballina. We, we, we liked Dior Marsh. Uh, and, of course, uh, Bright Hins. Uh, player, he put the ball into the basket. It, yeah, Anthony oh, Jenkins Strickland. was it? No, oh, Terry Strickland. Terry Strickland. Yeah, yeah, Terry Strickland was Neptune. Yeah. He was a Rolls Royce. Anthony Jenkins. Anthony Jenkins. Anthony I was thinking. Yes. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Strickland was a Rolls Royce, wasn't he, lads? Oh, was, of, a, yeah. of a basketballer. Right. Oh, he was. There was. We were very lucky to have probably the best that were in the country. Yeah. Played over. A number of years in the Blitzes. At a time when when they were at their best. That's correct. When they were younger. Yes. Yeah. I mean, at the time, if you remember it there, Eamon, like Neptune, Ballina, like they were all, they were the cream of the crop at that stage. Yeah, they were. And you had um, the likes of uh, um, 
all those players, like, you know, they all came down to Castle Island and they played in the... We used to have the um, the all-star games and where you'd have... Uh, uh, even Tony Andre, I remember, played with Killarn in the early stages. Uh, Carl Mitchell, all these fellas, like, you know, they're incredible basketball players. Uh, Ed Randolph, mm. for instance. Um, Darren's father. father. Yeah. Darren's father. Mm. Jerome Westbrook. You know, all these fellas, they were they, they were incredible. Like, And they played with us in, in the What's His Name. I, I must say that Ed Randolph and um, Jerome Westbrook uh, and Ken Black kind of adopted Castle Island as their yeah. second home for long periods of time. And they were super athletes. I remember one night we were playing a game and they decided to go for a bit of a warm-up. And uh, so... They ran up as far as Cran School and back down again, <laughs> which is which is about a total run of about maybe ending up to eight, eight ten kilometres yeah. and up the hill. And the next thing we came into the dressing room and they were stretching. One of their legs was up where you hang up your coat. <laughs> and I said to myself, where are we going with these guys? But they were incredible. I, I think they were really the first professional athletes that I saw mm. playing in the Blitz. And they really were gentlemen to the tops of their fingers. Um, I also think Tony on a, maybe a little bit more local level um, like we had great basketballers male and female in Castle Island yeah. always but we had our own local man Big John O'Connor who was playing you know National League in Dublin and his wife Marie that's right and ever before the other he was big with Calester, wasn't he, he was um, with yeah. yeah they were both with Calester, I think weren't yeah, they, they were, yeah. yeah ever before all the other big names were coming they were coming down mm. and they were you know falling in with, with the local teams and they taught us I feel Myself, they taught us a lot about playing basketball and playing it at a higher level. And we certainly learned a lot that there's, you know, we're good enough to compete, mm. which was great. Donald, who's the best player you saw playing in Castle Island over the years? Because you saw them all. Well, I might be a bit biased here, uh, Tony. No, the lads have mentioned local players and the, pers- the people, because a team I'd mm. named, they were uh, Eileen. Mary Porter, Mar Maloney, Eileen Lyne, Eileen Lyons, Grace Hennepin and Sheila Hickey. Mm. To me, they were just fantastic. They were involved in the club, but they were involved in the school as well. And when they were only juniors, I remember one time going to Killarney with them, and Eileen will confirm this. We played Mercy Killarney, and for us to go to Killarney, actually, and to play either well or any of those, we scored 106 points. For a junior team to do that in Killarney, in the parish hall, mm. it was unbelievable. And they went on to win all Ireland after. But as a group and as a team, they were just excellent. You know, they were, they were people that bought into what we were trying to do at the time. And they were very conscious of what was happening. They knew about getting fit. It was good for them. And they were fantastic people to work with. And they never left themselves. Their family had their club down, but they were, we were so proud of them in Castle Island. Mm. Now, that's, I'm being biased probably there because I know them, and all of them are great friends of mine still, but they were excellent people. Like all the lads here, but he, you're asking me, and just answer that, I think they were, but as a team, they were brilliant, right, you mm. know? Attention spans, lads, um, are very short nowadays, you know, these mobile phones and, you know, the... It's a societal thing. I, every year, well, it's not every year, that's not true. Every couple of years, I, I say to myself, I'm driving over to Castle Island at Christmas and I'm saying to myself, I wonder, like, is the gloss gone off it at this stage? Like, surely people now have began to move on. And then 
you would just drive down Church Street and then next minute you turn down left and you see the cars on both sides of the roads and they're half the way up to, where's Din Brown's house, up that area? Cool, that's right, Coolavani. And they're well up past the school and you're saying to yourself, Dennis, the phenomenon, like, just, it continues. And I know we have a 50th this year and there's going to be all kind of glitz and glamour and celebrations or about it, but it's still the blitz and it still seems to be it's almost like people are drawn to it every year, like that it wouldn't be Christmas without it. Exactly. I always said that nature appears a vacuum. And just after Christmas there, there was that vacuum that Donal spotted and filled it with, with uh, what has become the Christmas Blitz. And I suppose it's because people are off and so on and so forth and children are off school and so on. And you know, it's a formula that it's 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 the present that that never stops giving. I mm. think. And know. everybody loves Ned a controversy. There must have been there must have been loads of controversies down the the years. And as Eileen said, in terms of score sheets, in terms of MVPs, in terms of top scorers, and everybody now is handing around the mic here, kind of going, Ned, you'd be the best person to discuss controversy. What? We, we never knew anything about controversy, really, because we were half deaf. We could never handle that. And we always had somebody else to move them on to. Yes. There were, I suppose one of, one of the examples that strikes me was one day the girls' school were playing. It was the final day we had it, or the final year that we had it above in Garvey's market. And um, somebody was put off above in Garvey's, and when they came down to play in the hall... They appeared to be on the court again, and a mother ran out, ran over to the middle of the hall, and as far as the stage, she says, "That fellow must be taken off because he was fouled out the last time he played." <laughs> but the suspension uh, hadn't carried down yeah. to, down to the centre, had it not? <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking when you when you when you when you were asking me the question, and when you were talking about the youth today as opposed to the youth long ago. I mean, when them guys came in to pick their teams long ago. One of the jobs they had to do was supply their own jerseys. All right. There was no bag waiting for them in the centre like there is now no bag yes. in St John's. And the, the trick was that they all, wore, they all wore vests. So take that home to your mother, tell her to get pink dye, yeah. or maybe somebody else, take, tell her to get black dye mm. and have the different colours in the vest. The next thing then, how do you get over the numbers? So we had masking tape. Or oh, we were very lucky one year, Doug's sister Peg was below and she had a sheet that she was on the verge of throwing out when she said that she'd cut out, she'd stencil out the numbers, <laughs> cut them out of the sheet, never letting anything go astray, like, you know, yeah. never, not, never wasteful. More. And I presume, I presume we don't have to pay for the showers anymore down there do you remember the old showers there used to be was it 10 pence or something for the showers and there used to be a dribble of water coming out of the showers and the sweat like would be I mean Eileen was talking about the heat in the hall wasn't it and that heat was needed because of the condensation the big fear was if you didn't have the heat on you couldn't walk the floor how yes go on Din uh, how times have changed I remember there was a South of Ireland blitz on in Tralee one time um, in the CYMS and it was a junior blitz and St Mary's were playing in it and we got to the final 
and the fella that had the jerseys for one reason or another didn't appear. So we all went out with our vests, no <laughs> numbers, no nothing, and we, we, we had our own tongues, all right. But we were playing a crowd from, they were from Mullingar in the final, and we could see them above, and they were laughing at us as we came out on the court and so on. And there might have been an odd tear in a vest and things like that, you see. But anyway, <laughs> Eamon looked up and he rose up with one fella. This is not an effing um, fashion competition. Yeah. We'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we duly did it. We beat the tail off them too the same day. Yeah. But I mean, just how things have the changed. Glamour. Yeah, the right. glamour. I think Sammy Modaroglu, someone mentioned him earlier, was one of the most glamorous players, wasn't he, to come to, to Castle Island. And he was a super yeah. basketballer. And wasn't yeah. wasn't Kennedy, do you know your man, Gerald Kennedy, yeah. the fellow who had the 90-foot shot to win the league one year, he was there as well. Like So, in fairness, lads, I mean, you're talking about holes in the vest to the best in the land. They've all been yeah. there. And even like Tony, you, you spoke about the dribble in the shower. That was actually... Um, you were you were very lucky to get a dribble in the shower, you know, because there was there was other times when you didn't have the shower. But uh, Sammy was was uh, charismatic. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think he went on afterwards to. I think he was selling leather jackets or something. And I think uh, you're right. Yeah, and I think he made, he made a small fortune with that. But um, can I ask you, lads? Because we were gone well over the hour. Um, in terms of personally, and I know you're all hugely invested personally in this event, and you have been for nearly five decades. I mean, if I could say to you, Donald, first, like, what does it mean to you? What does the success of it and the continuation of it and the community element of it mean to you personally as somebody who was obviously from the town of the town? It's uh, when you talk about the Blitz, and I think it is unfair. Like the lads here, we had a duel last Friday night. And I feel embarrassed when people talk about me because I'm one of a group of people who have walked their socks off day and night. Now, again, it is like when you're, you've all here been involved in sport. If you're trying to get across to people, number one, Get fit. You'll feel better, you'll be able to train better, and you'll play better. And that was my thinking, that we had something here in Castle Island, and it was something for us, mm. our local uh, town, and to put us on our... And it, we, we, we got on the map because of success of people that were involved in that. Now, the Desmond GA Club went on to win an All-Ireland. How... Can you imagine to play St. Vincent's in a final? A population of 3,000, and you're talking about maybe 15,000 to 18,000 in Dublin, mm. that had a, fit, a third of the Dublin team. We have a soccer club, like somebody said, and God rest him, George O'Callan, who has died. He was the driving force behind that, and there's a fantastic setup there in the community as well. Mm. We have a fantastic community centre. We have an athletic track which I don't think in Ireland will anything be better than it. We have badminton clubs, squash clubs, we have tennis clubs, we have a fantastic golf course. Now I'm getting old, I can't walk it if I do, or if I play it I have to use a buggy. But I'm just saying Mm. 
that those facilities are there. That's a lot of facilities for which is in a, still a smallish town. And I, I won't delay you, Tony. I know you're in a rush. And uh, <laughs> the, the, the thing, it's, it's, it's about the community and it's about these people. Eileen there, Dennis, Eamon, Ned, Father and Wall Spring, all those people. No people will say, oh, God, he didn't give me a mention. But they are all, in my mind, all those people that helped down the years and they worked their butt off. Mm. Now, the final word I want to say is, and uh, I'm getting personal here now about my family. They have been fantastic, supporting me, and I thank Anne, Grania, Fiona and Ashley, and my granddaughter, Quiva, who, for example, last Friday night we went out for a meal, and after Christmas Day they probably won't see me uh, for the week. And like Eileen says there, I mightn't get roughed, but I'm just dead when I get home at night and so I'm straight into bed and up again the mm. following day. But tis family and tis I'm talking for myself, but there's other people the very same. There's life and soul is involved in that. And tis for their community, for their national school, for their town. And long may it continue. And I hope it still continues long into the foreseeable future. Well, Tony, to, to answer your question, what does the, uh, the Blitz mean uh, to me? Um, I, it's, it's now obviously a way of life. Um, I don't. All our Christmases uh, have been nothing but the Blitz. Um, Donal obviously is is the driving force behind it, and unwittingly, I think he educated all of us there the first day. We got an education in organising. We got an education in how to deal with people. Uh, we got a, a general educa- education of life, and I think he bestowed all of that in us in in a gentle way. I don't think any educational organisation could could have given us the education he gave us, and um, I think there's a great deal of gratitude to him. Um, and of course, he's he's a rogue like we all know. He's 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 a painter rogue like, mm-hmm. and he was able to get away with it all those years, which I'm delighted he was. Um, I suppose to be remiss of me at this stage just to say that we did lose a few people um, in the last couple of years. They were involved. Uh, Jamie Lyons did a share of refrain for us. Um, Joanne Momsley, and um, you know these these were uh, great patrons of ours as well, and they're gone, uh, but not forgotten. True, well said, Ned. Yeah, I suppose it was probably the best thing that ever happened to Tony Castle Island. Really, it certainly did away with collecting for the rain. <laughs> there was never again any young lad seen in the street playing music. Uh, I think all our families around, you know, have have benefited from it. Mm. I mean, my own kids have played in it. Uh, my input anymore to it is only be available to Donald to stand at the door of St. John's and, and collect the money. We always feel it is the busiest hall for the first four days, like, because every parent is coming in to see their kids. Uh I suppose you never think about it until it is a celebration of 50, how you're mentioned as being one of the founding members. Like, mm. you know, 
you never thought it was a big deal at the time. You still don't think it's a big deal, like. Mm-hmm. But it is a big deal that the Blitz is there, you know, and it looks like it will be there forever. Well, Tony, I have to reiterate all the lads have said already, but I suppose I'm thinking back to, I don't know, must be nearly 30 years ago when Kerry Radio brought um, a caravan outside the community centre to do an outside broadcast. And Donald, of course, wouldn't say a word that time, only coerced everybody else. Mm-hmm. I, Sounds familiar. Yeah, there were a few of us anyway coerced in capital letters into this caravan. And there he was outside the door thumbs up and waving, go on, say that, say that, say that, but yeah. not a word out of himself. But I remember getting an awful mocking, <laughs> uh, well, a nice mocking, I suppose, from people at the time, because one of the things I said was, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas in Castle Island without the Blitz. Yeah. But I firmly believed it. I think it's a very fair and comment. I still do. Yeah. yeah. Dennis? Um, I suppose... For me, the thing about the Blitz is that it, you know, it's a, it gives us a sense of place, a pride in our own town, mm. uh, in the facilities we have to offer, um, in the competitiveness of the, of the tournament itself. Uh, you know, it's something of which we can be very justly proud. And again, I, it can't be overstated how thankful I am personally, and I think on behalf of all the people, to Donal. Because without he was the gel that kept the whole thing together. Mm. So I think I'll just finish on that note. Just uh, some question there to finish, which I often wonder myself. Who actually opens the community centre on the very first morning and in the other morning? Who goes down there in the blackness of a Stevens morning at 7.30? And I'm presuming with a bit of a shithead in them after a few more glasses of mulled wine on Christmas night and opens it up, Donald, turns on the lights... It has changed down the years, but of the last maybe 10 or 15 years, Eamon Egan, he's our chief fire officer in Castline, and he's uh, in charge of safety and all that. And I will open St John's. I will be in there about eight. I'll put on the heating, and uh, players and parents and grandparents, uncles, aunts and everybody will arrive about 9.30, and the games will start at 10 o'clock. Mm. In the centre, they could be there at half six, seven o'clock to have the place nice and warm and set up and everything for the go. I would think the chief fire officer is probably the guy who is now going to be under most pressure <laughs> for the 50th uh, place. I think, I think genuinely, for my tuppence worth, I, I think it's an incredible thing. I think, Dennis, what you said there is absolutely perfect. It's about, it's about a sense of place and I think you get the sense just around the table. I mean, I just think the huge well of pride that there is in it, and not the fact that it's lasted so long, but that it is at a standard as an event. You know, Eileen said the basketball part of it is so almost incidental to some people, but it just in terms of what it does, in, in, I think somebody used the word the gel. I think, though, that Blitz is the gel. So all I would say to finish is... The best of luck this St. Stephen's morning, and I know you'll be going flat out all the way until 10 o'clock, I think, probably on December the 30th, when you'll start to hoover up and you'll have the difficult and unenviable task of preparing for Blitz number 51. <laughs> Folks from Castle Island, thanks a million for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.